episode four, I think. Yeah, it was the fourth one, wasn't it? And yes, it's Wednesday. Um, if you're looking for consistency, this is not the avenue to be looking at it for. Um, it's the only thing I'm consistent at. It's being inconsistent. Um, I think last week was Friday. One week it was Thursday. I think even then one week I did it on a Saturday. Um, but look, I don't think anyone is on the edge of their seat waiting for the next episode to come out. So I don't think we need to be too precise with them um, upload dates. Um, but anyway, hello, if you're back listening, the few of you that are listening, um, thank you. I've had some small feedback from the two to three people, as again, most of them were my mother, who have been listening to the podcast. Um, but um, regardless of who listens, I'm going to keep making it. Um, perseverance, I must per- persevere. Um, I'm not going to go too much of a rant, because um, I went on quite a rant the last week about and the week previous about people who don't know how to drive properly. Um, open my high horse, thinking I'm God's gift. Um, I am. But uh, there was, yesterday, there was something that popped into my mind. I was like, that will be a good thing to cover. Um, and it completely has escaped my mind because I'm an idiot and I didn't write anything down. Um, so what I'm just going to bitch and moan about is nothing particularly um, revolutionary or revelatory. Revelatory? Relevatory. Um, the beeping of the horn. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I, if ever, beeped my horn in anger. Um, it just, it doesn't jump to my mind as a thing to do. But obviously, you know, it is it is common ground and I think a lot of people do it. Um, even though it is, uh, it's technically against the law to beep your horn for a situation that is either um, well, if it's not for an emergency, it's against the law. Uh, and it absolutely has to be an emergency if it's anything between um, 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. in a built-up area. Um, but yeah, no, it is, it is leg- legitimately against the law. Uh, the 1988 Road Traffic Act, um, you can be convicted for uh, being selfish or aggressive, which um, I'd love to see enforced, but it isn't. Because um, people just, like, I don't understand what, people think will be achieved for beating the horn it's again it's just an act of aggression to go fuck you which will just escalate things because the person you're person you're beeping at isn't going to go oh i'm sorry i'll turn back time and not do that thing that you're beeping at me for um and if anything they're just going to retaliate and do something back to you and the cycle of aggression will just continue and continue and um, but the reason this really popped into my mind was because i was um at the junction along the keys uh, on a, at the O'Connell Bridge, um, sorry for my stutter, um, and I was turning uh, left to go towards College Green, um, which I know you're not supposed to. Um, well, you can turn left onto, would that be Westmoreland Street or is that Delier Street? That's Delier Street, isn't it? Anyway, I'm terrible with street names. Um, I was turning up left there, um, but the lights were red, and there was a coach of some description. Yeah, but to my right, um, it was quite a warm day yesterday. It was 17 degrees, according to my the temperature gauge in the van I was in, um, which obviously you take with a pinch of salt. But it was, it was, it was, it was a warm day for early spring. And um, so I had my window down because my van doesn't have air conditioning, which is the topic for another day. Um, and as the lights turned green, there was a, a gentleman crossing the road, and you know he was almost the, f- the full way across, but he was not quite there as the lights went green and the fucker in the coach um because i was i wasn't aware of the man crossing or looking in that direction because i was just waiting for the light to go green and turn left um but the guy in the coach stood on his horn and it's a pro it was a proper oil tanker foghorn levels of loudness and it made me absolutely shit myself and i was like what do you what do you what did you expect to do like the guy was almost across the street it's not going to make him move any quicker it was just another, just another form of aggression for no reason and it pissed me off and i wasn't even involved in the situation i'm going to leave it there um because as i said the beeping of the horn it's not a it's nothing uh relevatory to anyone listening to this if you're listening to it at all because this is this is a terrible terrible quality piece of um audio 
content. On to um, actual motoring news. What's been going on? Um, new cars, I suppose. The only thing that's really happened since I last talked to you was some journalists have had their hands on the uh, the new Maserati Gran Turismo, um, the launch edition being the, the Trofeo, which is a additionally sporty version of the GT. Um, Styling-wise, it's not a million miles away from the old car, although the old car looks better than the new one, which is not an uncommon trend in new cars. Um, it's not terrible looking. It's, it's still it's still a good-looking car. Um, it's just lost a little bit of the finesse, I think, of the, the outgoing model. Um, but the also the thing that's that's different from um, the previous model to this new one is uh, it no longer a V8. It's a um, it's a V6. It's the turbo V6 that's um, that's in the uh, the MC20. So when anyone who's driven that car has said that the the drivetrain is pretty spectacular. So well, that Sunrise V8 is gone. Um, I don't think you're being shortchanged with that uh, new V6. Um, and apparently it's it's pretty decent to drive dynamically. It seems to be leaps and bounds better than the old um, Maserati Gran Turismo, which apparently wasn't all that great around the twisty bits. Uh, but um, I'm only basing this on other people's words because, of course, I have never driven one. Um, other stuff. Um, Weisman, um, I don't. I'm sure you're pretty aware of Weisman if you're a car nutter, but if you're not, uh, Weisman is like a German... Who would you equate them to? They're a German sports car company, as well as in a similar-ish vein. Well, now you couldn't really compare them to Caterham. But they make light, lightweight-ish, two-door, front-engine, rear-wheel drive sports cars. And they kind of have a retro-futuristic retro, kind of British sports car look to them. Um, if you're not aware, if you're aware of them, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're not aware of them, um, just give them a Google. They kind of have like a a retro futuristic look of say a Jag XK120 kind of thing, um, and they've been running the the S. What's the V8 that's in the M? I should know this shit. The um, S62 V8 from the uh, the E39 M5, and um, they've been running them similar to um, Morgan. Actually, yeah, Morgan would be the the best equivalent to to Weissman. Um, they're running yeah the S sixty two V eight for many a moon um, and and the, and the accompanying gearbox um, in their sports cars and they obviously they weighed a shit ton less than an E thirty nine M five and apparently they were pretty good they're not particularly a common sight uh, on in these parts of the world or even in the UK uh, I'm not even one hundred percent sure if they ever made them in right hand drive I'll, I'll stand corrected on that one. But they kind of disappear. I think they probably went under because the market for low volume hand built um, sports cars is a uh, it's a it's a tough game. Um, hats off to anyone who has survived. I think they went under, and I'm not sure if someone bought the rights to the name or it's the same company again. Again, I probably should have done some research, but but it is back, Weisman. Um with a similar looking car um, to the to, to the ones of the past. You know, it's been slightly modernized, but. Um, you wouldn't mistake it for anything else. But gone is the V8. Um, I'm being replaced with a an electric motor. So there's going to be an electric sports car. They're talking serious figures for performance, range, etc. Um, and it's 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 going to be heavier than the combustion car, but not massively so. Um, but, and their, all their promo work they've done, um, one that's called the Weisman Project Thunderball, which is a... A hilarious name um but in a good way yeah um, it's it's good to see a bit of sense of humor in the motoring world every now and again um but uh, yeah the all their um all their uh marketing gum fund build up to this uh this new ev sports car seems to have worked because their order books are sold out for over a year um so it'll be interesting to see when when a production version or even a pre-production version becomes available um to those who get to test it um i'll happily do it if you're listening voiceman um because yeah there's no one has really brought a a bona fide electric sports car um a few journals have given a pre-prototype version of the said new maserati gran turismo um there's going to be an electric version of that which i think is called the fulgore 
Um, I won't go too much into that because I mentioned before Matt Pryor drove one, um, which seems promising enough. Obviously, there's this Ted. There was the Tesla Roadster, um, but that's many moons ago now, and technology has come on leaps and bounds. And you know, I'm sure it wasn't great. Um, and then obviously the next Cayman and Boxster are going to be electric, but they're not here yet. Anyone has anyone else done? Nobody else has really done electric sports car. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because, unfortunately, um, it is. Uh, looking like we're heading into an electric future. Um, but then again, maybe not. Because uh, both Harry Metcalf and uh, Anne Karen Classic did, uh, in the last week or two, both did, they both did videos on uh, synthetic fuels. Um, and they had, well, the Karen Classic, uh, Classic had one of the, the representatives from, uh, I can't remember the name of the company. Um, look up the videos. I'm looking. I'm not here to, I'm not spoon feeding you everything. Um, I'm also lazy. But um, yeah, the the synthetic fuels that they make, um, carbon neutral, obviously, which is the whole point of them. Um, and they, they can be put into anything with a combustion engine. Um, so, you know, heavy machinery, um, aircraft, but the, most importantly, um, classic cars and modern cars without any modification. Um, the video the current classic did they did it from uh bister heritage and there was an austin 7 and some old like a mark 2 jag and other such things knocking around on this synthetic fuel um, and your man the presenter who i should remember his name um he's the he's the editor of current classic um oh, sorry apologies he's a good he's a good he's a good dude good journalist um, i like him can't remember his name you'll have seen him in some of johnny smith's videos as well um he knows Johnny well. Um, he went there though in his Rover Vitesse, um, and he drove it there. Um, basically, he drove it with the fuel light on, so he could fill his tank with the synthetic fuel. And he drove a hundred miles home on the synthetic fuel, and he said he noticed absolutely no difference. It was just like driving with normal petrol. Performance was the same. Um, I think as well, something there's something to do with the volume. Harry said this in his video again don't watch his video don't listening to me something to do with the volume is you actually get you actually get more fuel because it's it's more dense than petrol um i fuck i don't know the science behind it but anyway yeah so performance was the same mpg was the same and no modifications were needed and it was carbon it's carbon neutral um but the only thing is like it needs support it needs people to get on board um and support it because all it needs is people to buy into it um, because, you know, we, we can use the existing infrastructure. You just have to, you can fill the underground tanks at petrol stations, use the pumps. All of that is exactly the same. Um, and that's probably the one thing that the EV uh, EV landscape is, is missing is, is infrastructure. There just isn't enough charging. Um, and if we're going to convert petrol stations to EV, it means ripping out existing pumps and putting in ev chargers now i'm not saying electric vehicles shouldn't exist there's a there's a place for electric vehicles um but there's still a wealth of combustion cars out there um and there still will be for a while yet and those of us who love them will want to keep them going as long as possible um so i think that might be the answer anyway i've gone completely off topic i wasn't going to talk about that at all um i just got onto that from talking about the project thunderball which is an interesting thing and um, what else did i see recently um i see collecting cars have another ex chris harris car for sale um he being one of the co-owners of the company and um, he's not the last owner of this but um he is on the uh the v5 as they call them in the uk um it's a e30 m3 sport evo and when i last checked just before um, recording this it was at 112 grand and that's with its reserve lowered um which that is a big chunk of change um although i do know obviously m3s are going for for solid money um, so, but i did have to i did have to look up how much euros are going for and um, so i went on to auto trader um and there's an evo 2 um it's a johnny uh, chicago one um which is up for 150 um and then there's an Evo 3, which admittedly it only has 18,000 miles in it, um, 
that's up for 185 grand uh that's a lot of money and um, i know they're very special cars but 200 grand like 185 grand like you have to remember it's a, it's a four-cylinder car i know it's a homologation special and everything um but yeah look you know these cars are, are worth whatever someone's willing to pay for them so um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the final price is on on the one that Kraken cars have up for um i think there's only i'm not sure i wish it for each i should have checked how long it's left on it. i think there might be about 30 hours left on it and um, maybe less but it'll be interesting to see what that goes for um another thing that's up for auction um which is very very salubrious looking um it's it's an ex colin mccray wrc subaru impreza um but it's a prototype so it was a car built by ProDrive in 1996 um, to use as a test bed for the upcoming um, new WR rules that came in to replace the Group A rules um, in the World Rally Championship. Um, so it's a, it's a it's a Jap spec Type R, um, STI Type R that's been modified to you know be turned into a a, a rally car, um, and it's since been fully restored by ProDrive. Um, so it should be in fine fettle. Um, but also it is it's it's road registered and it has, even has a valid MOT. So you could actually you could drive this car as your daily if you wanted, which probably wouldn't be entirely unrealistic because it has a, a proper just um synchro mesh H pattern gearbox in it, um as as did the the, uh, the actual competition cars. Um this car did compete, not in the World Rally Championship, but they did uh, run it in a couple of championships or so champ or so non-world ride championship events to test it out and then it did have a life um privately running in like uk and irish rallies um and even like the the, the engine um isn't a million miles away from the the road going version of the two liter boxer um, else you'll have a few little trick bits in it but it should be quite drivable um but it'll be interesting to see what that goes for um again i didn't do my research so i don't know who or where or when the auction is but um yeah it'll be, I, it won't be cheap that's for sure. Just the fact that it's a it's a it's a pro drive uh, WRC Impreza that was driven by Colin McRae, um, that alone is enough to to jump up the price. Despite even though, despite the fact um, it wasn't actually a a championship car, but um, it's a prototype. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that sells for. But what a cool piece of machinery. Um, and then speaking of motorsport, I better talk about some more motorsport news. Um, the last time I spoke to you was the first day, or was it the second? Yeah, sorry, the second day of Rally Sweden, um, which was great. Um, it always is entertaining, snowy, so it's all slidey, Scandi flick, jump filled deliciousness. Um, I might, when I was speaking to you last time out on Friday, uh, last Friday, uh, our very own Irishman. Uh, Craig Breen was leading by about 10 seconds. Now, what he lost the lead um, on the second day, nothing else, just um, Oitanak just had a lot of pace on the second day. Um, and he just, he, he just had a bit more pace than than, than Craig. Um, but Craig was running a strong second. Um, but Craig's only doing a, a, a part time uh, season with Hyundai this year. And to aid his teammate uh, Thierry Newville, um, who was doing the full championship, um, who was in third, they intentionally um, broke the curfew um, at the services on Sunday, um, which gave him a ten minute or was it ten minutes? No, it wouldn't be that much. A ten second, I assume, uh, time penalty, which dropped him behind uh, Newville on the road. Um, completely a tactical thing. Nothing wrong with that. Fair enough. Those, those, are, those are the rules and um, that's the game that's fair enough but then uh, Thierry Neuville made a bit of a hash of the of the final um, stage and obviously Craig was already on the road not too far behind him um, so he wouldn't have known he'd made a he, he, not nothing major he just he, he slid a bit wide at one of the bends and clipped one of the snow banks he got going and we lost he lost about 15-20 seconds um, so Craig Breen ended up actually finishing, I think it was about second, second and a half or so ahead of him. Um, so he finished second, which is great. It would, it would have been great to have seen him win, but um, 
great to see him on the podium nonetheless. Um, our good old Craig Breen. Um, Oitanak won it. Um, Oitanak, who was the 20, yeah, 2019 World Rally, World Rally Champion. Um, he was actually the first man to break the Sebastian duct. Because obviously from 2004 to 2012, um, it was completely dominated by Sebastian Loeb. Then 2013 to 2018 was Ogier. And then Ogier was only broken then by Oitanic in 20 and Ogier won his, his final two in 20 and 21. Um, it used to be, if you want to win, um, however Finn, because obviously during this period as well, Sebastian Vettel would have won the the his four F1 World Championships from 2010 to 2013. But so yeah, I was going to say back, so it used to be the, the old turn of phrase was, if you want to win, hire a Finn. Um, but I suppose they should, probably should have changed that too. If you want to win, hire a Sebastian. <laughs> Terrible. Um, and then I should obviously talk about F1. Um, it's I won't go too too intense about it um, because winter testing is next week. Um, so I'll have a pretty because it'll be the week. I'll try and keep my podcast until the end of winter testing next week. Um, and then because it'll be the break it'll be the weekend between the end of testing and the actual start of the season it's come around very fast um, it used to be like the, back in my day the, the season would fin- finish maybe mid-October and then you wouldn't see them in again until mid-March but you now the season finishes um, in December and we're back again you know for te- testing in February so it comes around fast alright um, but we've had um, all of the cars launched now and um, be it the real cars or liveries, um, but they've all been out on track doing um, their obligatory uh, media days that they're allowed to do. They're allowed to do up, I think, a hundred kilometers. Um, so essentially, it's an extra testing day, shakedown day, really, for everyone ahead of winter testing, and they all take advantage of it. Um, so I'll just I'll do a quick run through um, of what we've seen and what we've seen. Well, you know, there's very little to take from from launches and and media days, um, but just to run through it. And I'm going to go through reverse uh, championship order um, from last year because um, I can't remember exactly the right order of how they did their launches. Um, so, obviously, who finished? Last year, it was um, Williams finished last in the championship, as they have done for the last few years because they have zero um, finance. Well, they do have fi- a bit of finance now. With Darlton Capital, Capital um, now owning them, the investment firm, and I think as I mentioned last week, um, I I don't see they're just there now. I think to let their investment grow in value as Formula One is so hot right now, and then they'll sell up um, when the time is right. So their car, um, yeah. So you can obviously see this as has as is a bit of a trend with the teams who did very meh last season in this world of new the new regulations um that were brought into formula one last season the the design of the car itself is kind of a mix mash of um bits from the red bull and from the ferrari tight swoopy um side pods some you know scalloping um along the airbox or along the 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 um along the side pods um, to channel air around the rear basically and, and around the underfloor and stuff and blah and blah um, livery looks quite the same um, but obviously they've lost some of Nicholas Latifi sponsors Lavazza and such because um, he's gone now the goat that is Nicholas Latifi replaced by Logan Sargent who is an American driver who's had a okay junior career um, I feel he's been drafted in because he is American, um, and they're trying to grow Formula One in America, which it is happening thanks to Netflix. And they also have well, next season there's going to be three races in America. We're going to have Cota, obviously, um, Miami again, and then there'll be the Las Vegas race, which undoubtedly will be pretty shit, um, but a spectacle nonetheless. Um, and then obviously there's um, the Canadian Grand Prix, and there's the Mexican Grand Prix as well. Um, so yeah, just, so that's Williams. Um, I would be highly surprised if they are not last again. As I said, I think, well, obviously they, they lost the uh, Yost Capito, um, who was the team principal, and a couple of other um, key figures, um, high up key figures, have left the team. Um, I'm not too sure who 
come who who replaced Yoska Pito? Who's gone in there now as team principal? Anyway, yeah, I don't I don't expect much from Williams and this year they have Alex Albon as well, who um who was who who deserves Alex Albon, he's he he's a good driver. I think he again he fell he fell foul of going to Red Bull too soon and um and being teammates against Max Verstappen, um, which has got to be the toughest job in F1. And you got to admit, uh, Sergio Perez is doing a pretty good job job of it. Um, although he'd want to be watching his back with old Danny Rick back. Um, but anyway, we'll get back to Red Bull in a minute. Um, Alex Albon will do. I think will go above and beyond what the Williams is capable of, and anything that they do achieve will be down to him. I'd say. Um, but yeah, I don't see them. I don't see them doing anything much more than bringing up the rear of the field again, um, which is sad to see because Williams, obviously, it's a uh, it's a historical name in the world of F1 with many, many successes back in the past when it was Williams, owned by the Williams family, Frank Williams and Claire Williams and the rest, Patrick Head, etc. Um, but yeah, I've talked about Williams too much now. Um, who who came who was second last last year? Um, Alpha Terry, geez, them coming ninth last year says everything about their season last time when they're essentially the sister team of the world champions. Um, the car wasn't great. They didn't really um, they didn't really manage the new regulations great, and the car wasn't particularly reliable. Um, even though it's again running it's running Red Bull powertrain. Uh, so the the power unit and the gearbox, which was pretty good in the the hands of the parent team, but you know they give them the, they give them the mechanicals, but they're the ones who put them together and service them and run them. Uh, Pierre Gasly didn't really have a he had a pretty a bit of a down season, um, and things just didn't work out for him very well. I think he just a bit of a funk, and I think that's why he's gone to Alpine because I think his time in the Red Bull folds has really reached its peak and um, he got his shot at the top team and he you know he got demoted again um obviously he did win um I'll, but i'll talk i'll talk about gasly in a minute because um, their driver lineup now is still yuki snowda who i think again he had a better season last year um he, he certainly gave pierre room for his money and they now have uh, nick de Vries, who um obviously was he did a race called races for um Williams last season um when Alex Albon had well he did one race me when Alex Albon um had appendicitis and he scored um points and beat uh, Gotifi um which says everything about Nicholas Tifi how a reserve driver can come in last minute and kick his ass. Um so yeah that exposure um Upped his stock a bit, so he's got to drive with Alvatari. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he and Yuki get on together. Um, but yeah, um, again, I won't expect much from Alvatari to be honest with you, because I think that driver lineup might possibly be the weakest on the grid. Um, while Nick did decent in his stand in race last year, um, and he is a former F2 champion, although the season he won competition wasn't exactly stiff um, and he is a Formula E champion um, but fuck that championship and again the complications of how things work he kind of he kind of looked into it in the final round um, but yeah maybe Williams with Alex Albon might sneak ahead of Alvatari um, if the, that driver lineup isn't great and they don't get the car sorted but we shall see. Um, I think Yuki and both Yuki and Nick will also have to look over their shoulder because if uh, if Danny Rick um, fits back into the Rebel molds nicely um, after his McLaren woes, and you know they see the times in the simulator, and he wants to jump back into a race seat, um, yeah, he's going to be there, ready and waiting. So yeah, that's 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 Alpha Terry. Uh, who was next? Haas. Um, the Haas car um they they launched a livery initially um but then the car was seen um on their media day the, the 2023 car um some interesting stuff there's some weird like fin uh fins on the on the uh on the engine engine cover air box cover whatever the fuck you want to call it um 
yeah, it's an interesting looking design. Um, you know, I still think Haas are just there again, similar to Williams and Darlington Capital. Gene Haas knows he has uh, an, an appreciating asset, and I think he's just happy just to be there. You know, Haas. They essentially they buy in parts from Ferrari, Delara make their chassis, um, and yeah, I think they're just there, just simply now just to, to bring the field. Which is a shame because I'm sure, as I said, I think the people working in the t- in the team itself on the ground are, are dedicated, and um, the drivers are certainly dedicated. Now they have Nico Hulkenberg and um, Kevin Magnussen. I, I discussed them last week, so I won't go into too much detail. Um, they're obviously hungry to succeed um, but I just don't think the people who are funding the team really give a shit um, but it's a nice looking car I think it looks well it's, um, the, the launch livery had a lot more green on it and um, they've stripped away a lot of the paint as kind of becoming a bit of a trend on the cars because a lot of the cars are struggling to get down to the minimum weight and one way to save a bit of weight is to strip off paint and um, so a lot of them have bare carbon um, but it looks well I actually think the car looks, you know, they always say a good looking car is quick or, well, should be quick. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'd like to see Haas do well because the team itself I I, I, I like, um, but I just think the people who own and run it just don't really give a fuck. Um, but, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll creep forward, but then competition is stiff and they might fall behind Afeteri. Maybe even fall behind Williams. We shall see. It's all up in the air still. Um, who was next? Uh, Aston Martin. God love them. Um, had a bit of a dismal season last year. Although things got better near the end. But the, the start of the championship was not great for Aston Martin. Um, but there's their car um, that they launched. They, they did a full, this is our car um, launch. Livery, again, looks pretty much the same as last year. No big surprise there. Um but the car has has, has had um, a big uh, overhaul compared to last season um, aerodynamically. Um, so they've gone for a very a much more Ferrari style um, side pod uh, approach with a real kind of cut out scallopy kind of look. Um, they obviously now have Fernando Alonso who replaced the retired Sebastian Vettel and they have Lance Stroll whose father owns the team. So um, that dynamic should be interesting. Um, it'll Aston Martin are either going to have an absolutely unbelievable season and they will finish best of the rest. Um, maybe even beating possibly Mercedes and Ferrari if they have a shit shit storm, which I don't believe they will. Um, but they might. They could at least finish best of the rest with the with the backing they have. Um, James Fellows is that James's name? James Fellows, the guy from who, who essentially designed um, the last few championship winning. Um, Red Bulls. Uh, he got um, he got poached by Aston Martin, um, but he was on guarding leave up until April of last year, so he didn't have a huge amount of influence on last year's Aston Martin. But this car very much will have his fingerprint on it. So yeah, and then they have Fernando Alonso who will get the best out of the car. Um, so unless they unless the team fuck him over, um, or, or if Lance gets some priority for some reason. Um, you have to assume Alonso is going to wipe the floor with Lance. Um, but yeah, we shall see. It'll either be absolutely spectacular season, they'll be best of the rest at a minimum, and things will be brilliant, or it'll implode on itself, and they'll be seventh all over again. Uh, who else? Uh, Alfa Romeo. Um, again, the car, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a mix mash design of kind of the Red Bull and Ferrari influences. Um they, they were the one they launched their their 2023 car um, straight away it wasn't just a livery launch week so we got to see that pretty pretty soon it, off the bat um they still have uh, Valtteri Bottas and uh Zhou Guangyu um as their driver lineup um Joe had a pretty decent rookie season and Valtteri you know he's, he, he he performed pretty decent um considering his drop from the the championship winning team at the time um, to uh, to a somewhat midfield team, backmarker midfield team. Um, the colour scheme of the new livery is definitely easing us into, well, one, it's again to strip paint um, and use exposed carbon. But now it being 
rather than white and white and red it's uh it's black and red which is easing us into the soon to be uh, audi liveries when that team becomes the audi f1 team um again hard to really judge where alfa romeo will be this this upcoming season again testing will give us more of an idea but um i feel that they'll, they'll be jumped by aston martin at least um but also the, the potential of Haas and Alfatari jumping them is now the rounds possibility. Or they could be uh they could be on a roll and they could be um they could be fighting up the front of the midfields. Um that's a good thing about F, like F one. Well, I don't know it's the good isn't the word to do it, but you know, there's the top three, then there's the, the midfield battle, and then there's a, you know, there's always one or two bringing up the rear. But the midfield battle is always super close. Um and I think it's just as interesting as the as the as the fight for the for the top positions. Um so yeah, um yeah, Alfa Romeo. Hard to hard to read what, where they will be, but um, interesting. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, McLaren finished fifth last year. Um, their car and livery doesn't look a million miles different from last year. Um, they still have Lando, who unfortunately we have really yet to see. I think the best of Lando because he's been at McLaren and it's been an okay car. Um, fourth and fifth, I know fourth is best. This will be best of the rest. Um, but again, I think they got best of the rest because Lando outperformed the car um, over the last couple of seasons. Um, and he's being joined by Oscar Piastri, um, who's replacing Danny Rick, um, who uh, Piastri was supposed to go to uh, Alpine, but then Alpine fucked up his contract. Um, and yes, yeah, so now he's at McLaren. Um, but yeah, Piastri's pretty shit hot. Um, he won pretty much everything in his junior career. Um, so it'll be interesting. He'll be he him going up against Lando will be a will be a good measure of his performance. Um, I have to assume Lando will still um will still have the legs in him due to his experience, and Lando's very much on a on an upward trajectory. Um, when it comes to his development. Um, but pretty pretty decent um driver pairing. Even though you know he is a rookie and Lando. You know, although Lando will be in his fifth season, I think this year. Um, the the sad thing though um, is even at the launch, um, McLaren, uh, uh, um, what Andrea Stella, who has taken over from um, Andrea Seidel, who has gone to where's Andreas gone to? Has he gone to Alpine? Um, no, he's gone to he's gone to um, Alfa Romeo Sauber, isn't he? As a CEO. Um, yeah, he's he's been brought in there, um, really to to get Audi up to speed. I think he'll he'll be Audi's man when Audi come in full steam. Um, but yeah, he's been re- replaced by uh, Andrea Stella, um, and he was saying at the McLaren launch um, that they aren't they aren't entirely happy with the car already um, from what they've seen in the wind tunnel and on the simulator, and they are already talking already talking about needing to bring developments to the car. Uh, they could either be absolutely um, playing the bluff and um, you know kidding us, but it's very rare that F one teams speak so loudly about their woes, um, and it's never a good sign. Um, that that early in the at that early in the season, the season hasn't even started yet. So yeah, it could be tumultuous a tumultuous year for McLaren if uh, if those words are to be taken um, quite literally. Um, so we shall see how that plays out. They could have a, they could drop down the order because they went from finishing best of the rest in twenty one and t- sorry, no, in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. They dropped down to fifth, um, in a pretty close battle with Alpine. Um, but, oof, they could possibly slip down the order again if if a couple of the other midfield teams up their game. Um, but again, we shall see. Um, it, it's it's too early to say for sure. Um, and then yes, so those who did finish fourth um, last year, Alpine, which you'd have to say a lot of that was probably down to the fact that they had Fernando Alonso in their car, um, but they pissed him off as well. So he pissed off to uh, Aston Martin. Um, Alpine, uh, yeah, it'll be hard to know what the crack is with Alpine until we see winter testing and, and the early days of the season. Um Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly will be driving for them. And the car, again, it's hard to receive. They they haven't... Did they do an official launch? launch? I'm not sure if they did. Um, but it's been out on track for the show day. 
um, for their media day. I mean, um, delivery looks the same, but um, it's only there's only I don't know actually there was some good shots of it out in track. Um, again, it's kind of gone for a mix mash of the good bits of the last year's Ferrari and the Red Bull. Um, Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly will be an interesting pairing. Um, Pierre Gasly will have to really show his mettle this year um, after a pretty lackluster season last year. Um, and now that he's in a new team, um, he'll have to stamp some um, stamp out some talent that we think we, he has. I'm sorry, I, don't, I'm, I'm, I really should stop doing this after work. Um, I'm fucking my gone brain fade. But um, yeah, Pierre Gasly and Esmond Nakon famously don't well didn't get along in the past um two french drivers who just you know have tripped over each other in their junior careers and even in f1 and um, to the point where they were cropping each other out of uh instagram photos um but they're um they're saying that's all under the bridge and playing nicey nice um for for um for the pr game for for alpine um but that could get spicy pretty quickly um but also gasly and Ocon, um Okay, they're both race winners, um, albeit once and in uh, strange circumstances. Pierre won the uh, Monza Grand Prix, um, Italian Grand Prix, I should say, in 2021. Um, and Esmanacan won the 2021. No, sorry. Gasly won in 2020. And then Ocon won in 2021. The Hungarian Grand Prix. I have fucking years all over the shop. Anyway, they both won a race, but through strange circumstances, um, they're both they both seem to be good talents, but they've yet to really prove their entire worth. Um, so yeah, those so for those two drivers for that team, um, they have a lot to prove. Um, and again, we shall see. This I'm I'm just spitballing as a kind of as a as a preview towards um the upcoming season um god this is this is a dreadful podcast um and then the top three um so mercedes obviously finished third last year which is uh, which is a strange turn of events for them after all their success um but as i said they, they fundamentally fundamentally got the the new regs wrong um they're going back to a black uh livery um as they did for a couple of years in and around the pandemic um 20 and 21 they went back to their usual usual silver color last year but now they're going back to the black um i don't know if that's uh, thanks to lewis hamilton's influence because they, they went black as as part of the kind of the black lives matter movement and maybe um maybe lewis has insisted on it or maybe they decided like a lot of the other teams that if your car is black um you don't actually have to paint it you can just leave a bare carbon and save yourself loads of weight um it is a good looking car, I must say. Um, they've gone away from that no pod design they went for last year. Um, they've still gone for a a a, a, a vertically mounted side pod opening rather than a, a horizontal one. Um, but they're much more boxy um, than than the no pod as it was referred to as from last year. Um, you'd you'd be you'd be mad to bet against McLaren have or, sorry McLaren Mercedes having a, a season as bad as they did last year, which eventually inevitably did uh, pick up near the end. They did they, George Russell did win the Brazil uh, sprint race and and the main race. Um, although it did kind of, the the track did did complement the car, um, but they will have learned from their mistakes last year. Um, so yes, Mercedes will definitely come back strong. Whether they're strong enough to, to jump ahead of Ferrari and Red Bull is another thing. Um, but again, we shall see. Um, winter testing will give us more of an idea. Um, but yeah, we shall see. The, the only thing, the, I think the biggest problem Mercedes will probably have, if the car is competitive, will be the fact that they have Lewis Hamilton, who is obviously an incredible talent, seven-time world champion, and has still got what it takes. And then they have George Russell, who clearly is a talent um, and now a proven race winner but obviously he's hungry and has and wants to prove and he wants to win um, so if the car is competitive I could see the two of them um, taking points off each other um, and that could be uh, that could be an implosion in McLaren uh, McLaren Mercedes um, similar to how Rosberg and Hamilton ended up um, 
before before Rosberg stepped away. Um, yeah, their their um their relationship, Hamilton and Rosberg's relationship, got very very feisty very quickly. Um, when they started taking points off each other, and I feel a similar thing could happen between Georgie Boy and Lewis. Then we have Ferrari, um, who really, really, really should have won the championship last year. They, by far and away, had the quickest car. Um, it was a great piece of design, but um, team mistakes let them down, strategy. Um, there was a couple of mishaps by the drivers, but then the biggest issue really was the fact that the car was unreliable. They had too many uh, DNFs. Um well, actually, I'm not sure if, not sure if unreliability or, or poor management and strategic moves was, was the final death nail in their championship last year. But, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, they should have done a lot better. They should have won, really. Um, but now, Matteo Bonato, um, the revolving door of Ferrari leadership, um, his time was served um, and he's gone. And he's been re- replaced by Fred Vasseur who um, was initially with Renault and then did a stint at uh, Alfa Romeo Sauber. He's now been drafted in as team principal at Ferrari. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if uh, a change of guard uh, will work in favour at Ferrari. He um, he does have a good relationship with Charles. Um, for some reason, Bonato just did not want to fully get behind Charles and insisted on, you know, let the, let the racers, let the team race. You know, it's blah, blah, blah. You know, equal... <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Equal footing, blah blah blah. But anyway, really, what needed to happen was get behind Charles because Charles is is well, he should be the future of Ferrari. Um, even though he's been there for a few seasons now, and basically, if they don't get the finger out soon, um, you could see Charles looking for a drive elsewhere because he is clearly a super talent. Um, but yeah, him and Fred Vasseur have a good relationship. He was there, um, when Charles did his rookie season with Sauber, uh, Alfa Romeo Sauber. And he nourished um, Charles, and Charles has a lot of time for Fred. So, yeah, it it could all work. And um, the car looks great. It's it's an evolution, obviously, a lot of last year's car, and some nice details on it. Um, and they say that they've got the reliability sorted, um, and then they're back up to the power that they had at the beginning of last season before they had to turn down the the engine to stop it from uh, exploding. So, if all the factors are there. Um, there's no excuse really for Ferrari not to succeed um, and the only thing standing in their way will be Red Bull who are obviously current world championships world championships world champions um, they are initially released the car just with a livery which looks basically the same and to announce their upcoming partnership with Ford which I've discussed so I won't get into too many details and um, they did do a track uh, sorry a media day but there's very few good quality and um, pictures a few people have got some very 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 distant ones which are just a bunch of pixels essentially and um, so obviously red bull run the ball with um with security of people not taking uh, sneaky spy shots of the car while it was out on track um again an evolution you'd have to assume of last year's car with just some tweaks um but look they're obviously the team to beat max is on a roll the team run a roll um so it will take a lot from either ferrari or or Mercedes to topple them again but again anything is possible in Formula 1 um, we shall find out when testing starts next week and then we'll have the, the, the first race of the season in Bahrain um, shortly after that um, so I'll get into more detail um, about where everyone is when winter testing is complete um, and then we can look forward to the race um, I'll start wrapping this up now because I've been talking for let me see now I've been talking for Jesus Christ, nearly 50 minutes. Fucking hell, I've rambled a lot this time. They tend to be around 30, 30 to 35 minutes normally. Um, so Jesus Christ, if you've listened to this this far, thus far, fair play to you. Because, again, I thought last week was terrible. This this one was very bad. Um, I'll try and up my game. I do, I promise. I'll stick with it. Um, so I'll, I'll finish off with my normal traditions. Um, so first, my classified final of the week. Um, a car that I, I, sh- I kind of feel I... Like want to buy myself and um, but there's a couple of issues one it's all the way down in chronic kilty and um, which if i was to get someone to drive me down and um, we're looking at a four hour drive which is a long way to go if it turns out to be shonky um, and even worse if i was to go down and you know with a with a belief of actually buying the thing um and get public transport it would take nearly six hours to get to chronic kilty um what it is it's, it's a mark one ford focus 1.6 which is kind of the one i've been i've always been looking for 
but it's the centenary edition and um, which is this special edition they brought out and um, so it has all the bells and whistles on it and um, to commemorate 100 years of ford and um, i knew it was a limited run car but i actually had no idea that she only made 100 of them and this was car number 69 no giggling uh out of 100 and um, the seller claims that it will it's not currently nct it's been out since october um, looking for 2250 I think um, and they said if the asking price is met they will give, they will sell it with a full NCT and a valet um, uh, I, I'm, I'm tempted but look it's far away and if it turns out to be a shitbox that'll be a wasted journey and I also said I wouldn't double down on cars again um, I've done that a lot I've had, I had two Volkswagen Apollo GTIs I've had two E39 5 Series and if I bought another Ford Focus, that would mean I've had two Ford Focuses. Um, but that's my classified find of the week. Um, just Google uh, Centenary Ford Focus, done deal. You'll find it. Um, my YouTube channel um, to recommend this week is a, is a channel called Autoblog. Um, it hasn't had a lot of content on it recently, um, but there's a back catalogue back catalog of stuff to go through. Um, and the guy who runs it, he, he, has, he did post there just last week that there is some upcoming content. Um, it's basically it's it's one man and his GoPro um, just talking about the fleet of cars that he he owns. Um, he is it. I can't. I should remember his name. Um, he, he'll mention it. You can look it up when you look up the channel. When you look for it, search. Oh, or sorry, it's not auto blog. Did I say auto blog? Petrol blog is the name of the channel. Um, search petrol blog and then search in the filters. Search by channel. Um, as a yellow background where black P is the logo. Um, because if you just type in petrol blog, they'll get all sorts of bollocks because um, fair play to him for getting that um, name I'm sure that would have, was snapped up pretty early but also it's a bit too generic um, so you get all sorts of res- results um, but anyway yeah it's one bloke and his, and his GoPro and his fleet of uh, scrap that he has mostly um, mostly French uh, scrap and tat um, but he has some other stuff he has a he has a Proton um, he has like it's, it's a four. he has a lovely 406 406 V6 Coupe um, he has a Clio first gen Clio um, he has an AX, AX GT um, he has a bunch of stuff um so yeah give give that one it's proper it's proper nerdy stuff um he's one of us one of us um so yeah check out petrol blog it's a, it's um, as i said he has some upcoming content and but he he's a huge back catalog of videos that are worth delving in in two um and then finally uh, I'll, my tradition of recommending a song um this week it's going to be a song called belize um, it's off the album. It's a collaborative album called Cheat Codes. Um, a collaborative album uh, with uh, Danger Mouse, who is probably one of the, if not the most prominent uh, music producer of our time, I think, anyway. Danger, or Danger Mouse, did I say? Did I mention his name? Yes. Oh, God, Jesus Christ. This is terrible. I do really do apologize. Uh, so it's Danger Mouse and uh, Black Thought, who is a rapper probably most famously known for his, uh, his time in The Roots collaborative album with them but the song i'm recommending is uh, the song belize of the album which is danger mouse black thought and a posthumous appearance um by the late great mf doom who has the closing verse in the song which is absolutely spectacular everything about the song is spectacular but special mention to mf doom the late great mf doom um, so check that one out um i'll stop now because jesus christ this one's nearly an hour long which i'd be surprised if anyone manages to struggle through this one but as I said, I'm just going to keep making it until until I improve. This is essentially uh, a self-help podcast for me. Um, yes, I'll stop now. I love you. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Be well. Talk to you again soon. Bye.